Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm talking with Harvey Warren. He is the author of the book, The Optimized Patient, How to Prepare for, Survive, and Recover from Spine Surgery. On June 24, 2010, Warren suffered a car accident that set the events and surgeries that have propelled this book into motion. Harvey, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So what inspired you to put this book together? Well, it became clear to me, uh, I've gone through these spine surgeries three times, and it became clear to me along the way of seven years that there really is no book on how to get better. It's the weirdest thing in the world. You know, you go to a surgeon, they open you up, they put screws and bolts and all kinds of beautiful things in your back, and they say, have a nice day, good luck. And it's not like they're rude about it or they're mean about it, it's just that's not what surgeons do. And one of the things the book is designed to do is to draw the line between what a surgeon does and what the patient needs to do to recover. Well, and and th- those are different things. I agree with you. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with people of what to do after surgery, which is not what they're told to do. They're usually, you know, given some, here's some things you do before, which is um, don't take your supplements for a week or two. And, um, and then they're, that's it. Go home. Here's some medication for your pain, maybe some physiotherapy, and then, and then they're done. And, and that, to me, doesn't seem like the right thing when you're doing something so severe. Because I, I think surgery well, think? is pretty severe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, I mean, you it's, agree it, with it, me. <laughs> it, it, it's astonishing. I mean, you, uh, and I, I had the experience I had talking to every one of the other patients that are in the book, and there's six of us talking about it. Every single one of us felt incredibly out in the cold, like, what? Now what do we do? And there was no guidebook on nutrition. There was no guidebook on activity. There was no guidebook on rest. There was no guidebook on your mental attitude. There was no understanding of how to taper off your opioids. There was nothing to help you understand that getting better from a major surgery is a big darn deal. And what I did was take notes (laughs) as I was going through it, uh, and realized that this needs to be put together in a book. We interviewed three surgeons together in the book, and the fourth one uh, later on, and two physical therapists, a chiropractor, and a nutritionist in order to put together uh, a spectrum of information for people that are really facing this major challenge. Um, well, well, thank you for doing that. I think that that's really important. And, you know, um, I, I wonder if you, you felt this way, but it seems to me that spine surgery would be one of the scariest surgeries, maybe aside from heart surgery, um, th- that you could go through. I mean, it's pretty terrifying if it goes wrong. You may not be able to walk or you'll have worse pain than you started with. So I can imagine that your anxiety ahead of time was, was pretty high. Uh, I would say colossal. And everybody that I interviewed for the book had the same terrible fearfulness about spine surgery. And the reason for that is there's just so many horror stories. And I talk about that in the book, and I've asked each of the three surgeons to try to address for the patient that's considering the surgery why all the horror stories, what's going on. 
And it was interesting to me, uh, Dr. Christopher Hills in, in Jackson, Wyoming, who's one of the docs that I interviewed, put it very plainly. He said, look, we can walk out of the operating room. We can high-five each other. That was the best surgery that was ever done. They should have filmed that for the National Archive and then have a complete clinical failure. We had a medical outcome that was perfect. We did perfect surgery. But then the patient didn't use his drugs correctly, didn't eat properly, didn't rest, didn't get activity, and we have a complete clinical failure. Now, that's not to say that all the bad news you hear about spine surgery is because the patient didn't do what they were supposed to do. That's not the case. There are bad surgeries, but they are way more rare than one would understand from reading what's going on on the Internet, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to get into that. First, I want to get into your story. You had a car accident, and um, what, what happened after that? Well, I was on our way to a business meeting in Evanston, Wyoming, and we just the guy that was driving the car just didn't see the stop sign, and we got T-boned in an intersection. We got shook up pretty badly. I was taken to the hospital and x-rayed and see where the broken bones were, and I was fine. There was nothing wrong with me. Three days later, I was at a convention in Las Vegas, and I couldn't get out of bed. I literally could not stand up. And after crawling my way around the convention for three days, I went to see a chiropractor, and they were doing adjustments because the, the natural belief was, well, we got hit in a car, and my back's all out of whack, and sure, I need an adjustment. And I did that a number of times, and the pain was not subsiding. It was really excruciating. Uh, and then one day the chiropractor said to me, can you stand up on your toes for me? And I was horrified to see that I could not. And I'm a fairly athletic individual, and I did not realize that something was going on in my back so severely that I no longer could stand up on my toes. My, my gastrox and muscles just weren't working. And from that, I started going to see real doctors and orthopedists and MRIs and all of that to find out what was going on. And what I learned was that the shock of the accident had really um, amplified some of the stenosis and degenerative disc disease that I had no idea I had, that the shock of the, of the car crash had nearly paralyzed me. Mm. Um, and I, I guess you're lucky if you're saying nearly paralyzed you and you're walking around getting adjustments and, and going about things. Um, well, yeah, I had one nerve left. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> isn't that a bag of fun? Yeah, I was like, yeah. it, was, it was horrifying. I went through the epidurals. And the good news about the book for people that are considering this and are trying to find anything they can do that's not surgery, and that's almost everybody, um, is that I go through all of the things that I tried, epidurals, chiropractic, everything you can imagine that doesn't require them cutting me open. And there comes a point when you really have to make that decision. You need to go see a spine surgeon. You need to ask questions about, okay, what's going on in my back? Is it biomechanical? Can it be fixed by non-surgical means? And if it can't be, then what are my options? It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. I have a tip for people, by the way. And I, I want to not forget to do this. Uh, Bill Walton, uh, the basketball player who wrote the uh, foreword for the book, said, you know, you ought to get in a swimming pool and walk around, Harvey. It's really good for you. It'll really relieve your back stress and your back pain. I did that and went to my physical therapist and said, gee, why is Bill Walton so high on this, on this swimming pool stuff? And they said, well, yeah, aqua therapy is a terrific idea. It unloads your back in terms of the, you know, the 30% G that's in a swimming pool. And the, and the activity of walking back and forth in chest-high water creates a lot of 
pressure uh, on your chest, which creates a lot of core engagement, which will leave your back pain. So the aqua therapist says to me, well, listen, if you do that three times a week for a month, for an hour a day, if your back still hurts, you've probably got nerve damage because muscle pain will be relieved by that. So that's a tip for everyone that's listening. If you've got back pain and you have access to a swimming pool, go down there, suit up, walk back and forth in the water for about an hour a day, three times a week for a month. And if your back still hurts, you should start looking for a spine surgeon. Well, you know, that's um, good advice. No, I I do know one thing I liked was all the other things that you had in your book. Um, I'm actually in Canada, although this does air um, worldwide. And um, with a socialized healthcare system, we often can't always opt for surgery. Um, Or if it's in our cards where people are waiting a, a couple of years for it. So in that time, there's still pain management that has to happen. Um, it, it takes a long time for that decision to be made. And then there's a wait list. So, you know, things that people can do, even while they're waiting for that to happen, even if they've already figured it out or are laid out in your book, which is um, pretty helpful. Here's a crazy idea. Ice. Ice is a miracle drug. It's incredible. For lower back pain, lumbar pain, ice is an amazing uh, way to alleviate your pain. Uh, People Mm -hmm. never think to say, gee, you know, maybe I should just ice my back. Well, yeah, 20 minutes of ice on your back three times a day, that will help the pain. It doesn't always Mm -hmm. have to be a pill. And I've got nothing against pills, let me tell you. After surgery, you really want to take some kind of painkiller, let me tell you. But you do want to have a focus on understanding that just like you know, bumping your elbow or spraining your ankle, that after a week or so, it hurts, but it's not killing you. And you need to be alert to what your pain level is, and you need to be able to be very focused on stepping down your opioids. That's one of the big problems that we found with a lot of people in post-op was they didn't know how to manage their drugs. They didn't know. No one ever said to them, well, look, you know, it's four hours for the opioid, but, you know, maybe you want to try third, fourth day, six hours, see if you can manage. And maybe down a week, you maybe want to try, you know, six, seven, eight hours and see if you can get it down to a couple of pills a day and then just stop taking it. And it's, it's astonishing to most doctors who have patients that have a consciousness about, you know, not getting in the opioid syndrome, that they come back and say, well, I stopped taking the pills two weeks ago. They go, oh, how are you managing? And say, well... You know, you take it and leave, and you manage. You grin and bear it. Uh, you don't want to create another problem after your surgery, which is a dependence on the on the painkillers. It's a real big trap. Well, you know, I, I did an interview in September with uh, Travis Ryder, and um, his book was um, his story about opioids, and he'd had an accident and surgeries, uh, multiple surgeries, and no one had a conversation with him, so he became dependent. Yeah. He wasn't addicted, but yeah. dependent, and he didn't have help to get off of the drugs. And one of the um, things that he was trying to um, encourage people to do is change the conversation about pain because we do go about life thinking that we should be pain-free and that's often a goal. We'll have an accident um, or as we get older, degenerative disc disease like you have. Um, and we you have both of those things. And, and, and so we think that we should try to go back to the way we were when we were 20 before we had these things. And, and I think part of the conversation needs to be you have pain, you can manage it you can get it less than what it is but it might still be there on some level 
It would be great if we could go back to 20. That'd be fabulous. <laughs> yeah. How do you do that? Let's do a show on that. I don't think that's how it works. So I think that, you know, changing <laughs> this conversation that, you know, managing pain and finding ways to do that that don't involve um, drugs with a huge dependency that cause problems and destroy lives, um, you know, is is important part of this type of conversation. Well, yeah, you want to be comfortable. You don't want to be numb. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the, the confusion. And I think you were hitting on it in your conversation with that other fellow is that, yeah, if you're numb, you don't even know what's going on in your body. You don't know if there's issues, if there's a problem, or if something's hurting way too much than it ought to, and you need to go back to the doctor. So you need to really, you're right, come to grips with the fact that stuff is going to hurt as you get older, just part of the aging process. And then when you've had a surgery like that and you're trying to step down your pain relief, the pain relief is really about getting comfortable enough to get some rest to heal. And that's the way I tell it to people. You should be taking the opioids so that you can rest, so that you can get comfortable in a chair or in your bed or whatever you're doing, or comfortable enough to get the activity you need to get the blood flow to heal the injury. That's what the drugs are for. They're not to put you out of your mind and to put you in a numb state and anesthetize you completely. That's, that's a misuse of the drug. That's my personal opinion on it. Um, well, and I, I do agree with that. And I, I think that, you know, we are starting to shift in that direction. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Harvey Warren, and we're discussing his book, The Optimized Patient, How to Prepare for, Survive, and Recover from Spine Surgery. And we'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There is one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Riss. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. My co-host Oliver is a seven-pound chihuahua cross, and he sits through all my shows with great puppy patience. He was super happy when I came home with Carbona Pet Stain and Odor Remover, which is an oxy-powered formula with active foam technology and is engineered to permanently remove pet stains and odor. Carbona is a household brand that has turned their decades of cleaning expertise into products that get the job done fully, quickly, and easily. Although he tries his best, Oliver sometimes does have accidents. I pulled out the Carbona Pet Cleaner and voila, we were stain free and clean. It was easy to use, pet safe and hassle free. The built in two in one brush top tackles stains at the surface and deep into the carpet fibers. It is now my other best friend. Use code FTTC at Carbona.com to save 20%. Happy cleaning. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Following Through the Cracks. Today, I'm talking with Harvey Warren, and today we're discussing his book, The Optimized Patient. So, Harvey, when you came to to your decision to have surgery, um, obviously, you saw a spine surgeon. And, and was there a conversation that you had that you felt comfortable with, or did you feel like that conversation should have been different in some way or that you should have known different things? How did that come about? Well, that was all. The answer to that question would be all of the above, and it's a really interesting question. And let me let me begin this way. So I see my doctor, and I say, "Well, listen, you know, this is still killing me." And they refer me out to an orthopedist. The orthopedist looks at it and goes, "Hmm, you know, I think you're going to need to see a spine guy." Okay, so I go to the spine guy, and we have a conversation of about five minutes, and he hands me a pre-op order and says, "Yeah, let's go get this fixed. We're going to take a laminectomy." Now, I talk a lot in my book about dumb luck, and uh, by God's grace, I was able to bump into people that put me on the right path, which is another reason I wrote the book. Uh, uh, You know, not everybody has the good luck that I had to find the right path to get to the right doctor to do the right procedure in the right way, and there's a lot lot of steps in that. So I send the pre-op order. I'm fortunate that my nephew is an anesthesiologist in New York, and I'm in Los Angeles, and I send... Uh, the pre-op order to my nephew, and I say, uh, Edward, what do you think about this? And he goes, mm, uh, you know, la- uh, you maybe want to see another doctor. I said, why? He said, well, these laminectomies are really tough on your back. They really destroy a lot of muscle, and there's a lot of post-op issues with that. And yeah, you know, there's other ways. Of, there's less invasive ways to do it. Now, the first doctor that I spoke to was a world-class and well-respected doctor. I mean, this guy was not, you know, you know a, a B-level doc. He was an A-level doc. 
And I go, okay, so I'm having lunch a couple of days later with an attorney friend of mine, and he says, you know, I just had the same lumbar 4-5, L4-5 surgery that you have, you know, you're thinking of doing. He says, you ought to see my doctor. You should get a second opinion. So I go see the second doctor, and he tells me about a whole minimally invasive process for the company called Nuvasive, and it's a whole thing. And I'm listening to him going like, wow. He says, yeah, but we're going to have to cut you in three places. We're going to cut you in the front and the side and the back. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, it sounds like a lot, but it's really a better way of doing it. And he tells me why. And being that, you know, I'm a fairly bright guy, I'm listening to him and going like, this makes a lot of sense. This is a very new technology, and it makes a lot of sense. So I went with this doctor, and good, good reason that I, and thank God that I did, because it's a, it's a cutting edge and evolving methodology to do less destruction to the back muscles, because part of the, part, most of the issues that most people have after spine surgery is recovering their muscle function in their back from all of the, you know, opening your back up and closing it up. These guys are using a, a much less invasive uh, a methodology which does much less destruction to your, to your uh, muscle structure, so your recovery is much, much easier and much quicker. Um, so you felt um, that you needed this second opinion. Um, how does somebody go about knowing the right questions to ask so that they can get to that point? Because this is not something that people are going to know about um, until it, you know, it's right in their face. Unless they went to medical school. Of course. Yeah. And I say, my, my joke is, I don't know about you guys, but I, was, I, must, I missed the class on surgery 101. Did anybody take that class? Uh, <laughs> I don't recall they're telling us, uh, giving us a class in graduate school on how to recover from spine surgery. And so there really is no, there is no knowing what to do. And in shows like this and books like mine start to alert people about, okay, gee, what, what am I supposed to ask? Well, here's a big question. How invasive is this surgery, and is, the, is it the most minimally invasive procedure available? And that is really a key thing. And, the, and all of the technology and all of the innovation that's taking place in spine surgery is in the direction of minimally invasive, which means minimize the amount of cutting and maximize the amount of repair, and that, that maximizes the recovery and gives you the best chance to get better because it's going to be a lot of work to get better, and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that coming up. But that's the, that's the key piece. How invasive is the surgery? And is there a less destructive way to do it? And people need to go on the Internet and look at, you know, those words, minimally invasive. That's the word you want. Those are the words you want to know. Uh, if your doctor is, you know, an, an, an older guy who hasn't kept up with the new technology, you really want to see someone else, or you want to alert this doctor to the fact that there's better ways of doing it. So if you've got a two-year run until you're going to get your, your back fixed, you should meet a doctor and say, hey, look, you know, I'm looking for a doctor that knows how to do minimally invasive procedures. Are you that doctor? And if he says no, say, can I see another doctor? And that's okay to do that. You've got the right to do that. I don't know how it is in Canada, but certainly here in the United States, you have the right, if not the obligation to do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I've never been in that position, but I do think it's a little more complicated here. Um, but I think we have the right to a, we have the right to the second opinion. Just you have to wait. Um, and then you wait for a really long time. Um, 
you know, it's nice you don't pay for it, but you pay for it in other ways, I think. Um, so when Well, i got to tell you, let me, if I may, yeah. Rebecca, that, it, yeah. it, that's maybe not such a terrible thing, and, and I'll yeah. tell you why. Part, part, of, part of what happens with spine surgery is there's a time before, which is the prepare-for time. And the amount of energy you put into preparing is determinative of how well you're going to recover. People that go into surgery extremely well-prepared have very good recoveries, unless the doctor makes a colossal mistake. People that go into surgery poorly prepared typically have poor recoveries, and that's up to the patient. So when you say, well, you know, it could be a long wait, well, maybe not such a bad idea because mm-hmm. it gives you a chance to get into the gym and get you know, acclimated. It gives you an opportunity to meet your physical therapist and say, what kind of activity should I do when I'm out? What are we going to do to help me recover? And they can show you those methodologies while you're still in one piece before the surgery is done. I found that one of the most challenging things, that you go into a physical therapist for rehab and they're asking you to do exercises or, or do movements that you've never done even when you were well, and you're going like, okay, you know, you know I've had surgery, and I'm like degraded here. Uh, this is really difficult for me, and, and it became clear to me that one of the things that's critical in the preparation phase is to see your physical therapist before your surgery, and that's almost never done, and it's a critical piece. So, so why would you say that that is so important? Well, it's like I say, the, 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 the level at which you recover is determined by the level at which you prepare. They are absolutely equatable. People that don't quit smoking, and they, believe me, people go into surgery and they're still smoking, and they wake up and they start smoking again. People that were getting very little activity before the surgery get very little activity after. People, you know, that, that didn't eat properly uh, that are way overweight uh, and were unwilling to modify their diets in order to prepare for the surgery typically eat the same way when they come out of surgery. And, and all of those factors have everything to do with getting better. It's not The, surgeon, the surgeon's typically going to do a great job. They rarely make a colossal mistake. And when they do, you hear about it on the news. But of the vast majority of the hundreds of thousands of these surgeries that are being done, they're being done technically correctly. The optimized patient was written because the, the flip side of that is the patient has no idea how to get better from the surgery. And so they're not eating the right food. They're not getting the right activity. They're not, they don't have the proper mindset even on how to get better. I mean, the first three words of my book are it's a commitment. Getting ready for surgery is a big darn deal. And so when you say, wow, there's a big, there could be a long run until you get into the surgeon's office, maybe that's not just a bad idea. Yeah, there's a pain management issue to it. I get it, Rebecca. You're struggling and you want to get better. You don't want to hurt anymore. But on the flip side of that, it gives you the opportunity to get in the gym, lose weight, stop smoking, eat better food, learn you know, something about nutrition and, and phytochemicals and other things that make you better, and learn how to eat properly so that when you come out of surgery, you can recover your microbiome. All of this has to do with your back getting better. What the heck does your microbiome have to do with your back getting better? The answer is everything. So there's a whole lot of preparation time, if in, the, in your case in Canada, and it should be that way here in the United States, of, of patients preparing to get ready for surgeries. If I may continue, I, I say in my book, on December 22nd, I knew that I was going to get hit by a bus. 
And knowing mm-hmm. that, I said, hmm, makes sense to me. And this is in my own head that I need to get in the gym and core strength and then, you know, get my, you know, cardio up and be ready for the hit. When you think of it in those terms, wow, am I going to get hit by a bus on December 22nd? Man, I better get in good shape for that if I want to survive. So that time before the surgery sometimes is, is really, you know, important time and critical time to get better. Well, you know, this is definitely part of my world. I've got handouts for, you know, surgery preparation um, and and what to do after as well. But um, I do do find, and I'm sure you found the same thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people think that surgery is going to be their answer. And and it's (laughs) going to be this, you know, miracle fix, and they're going to have surgery, and then they're going to, you know, be pain-free and go about their life the way it was before. Eh, No. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. And you're completely correct. Almost all of us um, knew once we made the commitment and we had our conversation with the doctor that that particular formula was not going to work. We were going to go in and get cut and come out, and, yep, we're good. No, uh, that's not how it works, and it's really unfortunate. And 99% of the reason I wrote the book is that almost everybody has that um, ridiculously optimistic belief that they're going to walk in and the surgeon's going to fix it all, and I'm going to be all better. Uh, No, the surgeon is going to fix the mechanical problem in your back, or as uh, Nate Quarry, who wrote the afterword for the the book, says, they're going to do the carpentry. They're going to put your bones back where they belong. They're going to scrape the the, uh, stenosis out of the foramen, which is the canals where your nerves go out. I didn't know that you're a doctor. And they're going to put your back in in a right, orientation in a right posture so that you can get better. Let me repeat that, so that you can get better. They can't make you better. They can relieve the pain. They can relieve the nerve pressure. They can put your spine back into the proper uh, orientation and the proper you know, positioning, but they can't make you better. That's something that your body's going to do just because that's what your body does. It's not the cast that heals your arm. It's your arm that heals your arm. So let me ask you a question. What are you doing to help your arm get better? Hmm. Well, what can I do? Well, you can eat properly. You can get proper rest. You can be careful with your opioids. And most importantly, you can have a mindset that says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get better. I don't care how difficult it is because the difficulty I'm going to have over the next 90, 120 days is it going to serve me for the next 20 years? That's the mindset that you need. Hmm. Um, so um, when you were preparing, you obviously did, you went and talked to your physical therapist, and uh, what else did you do? Well, actually, I didn't. And I didn't okay. figure that out until after my... <laughs> after I, oh. after I, see, the book's all about the mistakes that I made. Okay. So that I'm, what I'm telling people here is that, look, here, here are the things that I missed. Did I know anything about nutrition? I knew nothing. Uh, was, did I get some guidance on that? Fortunately, I did. I mean, what does your gut activity have to do with your spine surgery? Think about it. I mean, and the answer is like everything. And who knows that? I mean, nobody knows this stuff. And so you come out of surgery, and they've given you anesthesia. They've given you antibiotics to prevent infection, and they've given you opioids, opioids to manage pain. And that formula is guaranteed to give you a case of constipation that will last a lifetime unless you're prepared for it. And you're in this, you're in, in the hospital. Now they're giving you 
stool softeners and all kinds of crazy drugs to get you to go to the bathroom when probably the smartest thing would have been to eat some pumpkin seeds or some other thing full of magnesium before surgery as under a doctor's supervision. And then, you know, have an understanding that you need to prepare your microbiome for surgery because you're going to completely stop your body. You're going to be in a catabolic state when you come out of surgery. And the question becomes, how do you start your engine up? I have a whole chapter on nutrition. In fact, we're writing a cookbook and a meal planner for surgery. That became such a critical element in my understanding of how to recover from surgery I mean, think about it. You come out of surgery, you're, you're 90% dead. I mean, everything in your body's been stopped. You've been dormant on a table for seven hours. You probably haven't eaten for 30. And you've been given anesthesia, antibiotics, and opioids. And what are the chances that your body's going to jump up and say, yeah, let's get better? Uh, no, you need to bring your body back online. And how do you do that? Uh, well, I wasn't able to find a book on that, so I wrote one. Hmm. Um, well, thank you for doing that. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. Um, you know, and it, it, to me, the, the nutrition part makes sense. I know that not everybody gets out. I've had lots of conversations with people about if you want to get better, the first thing you have to do is change some things about how you eat. And, and you know, yeah. I'm not even as strict as some of the diets that you can get out there, um, at least not to start with. But I, I do think that, you know, we need to eat less inflammatory foods, just an overall health so that we do find the wellness that we're trying to achieve and whatever our goal is. Yeah, I mean, most of the folks that are listening to you are going to go, inflammatory foods, what does that mean? And, you know, who knows about inflammatory foods besides people that are in the medical profession <laughs> or the yeah. nutritionists? I mean, sugar is a problem. And every surgeon I spoke to, uh, there's a certain, I just had dinner with him in New York uh, about a week ago, uh, Branko Scarborough. And Branko is nuts about sugar. He says sugar is killing everybody's back. He is convinced of it. And he said in medical school we studied it, we looked at research on it, and the inflammation obviously is, is um, uh, fostered by you know, excessive sugar use. And, the, and, the, and one of the things that people preparing for surgery need to do is they need to adjust their, their diet and minimize the amount of sugar the intake that you're having because that's where the inflammation comes from. That's what causes the pain, and that's the problem. And people have, like, no understanding of that and, and don't know what inflammatory means and don't know how to fix it if they did. And, and so we're, gonna, we're writing in our book about the kinds of things that you need to eat. It's really amazing. There's a section of your grocery store. It's called Fresh Fruits and Vegetables. <laughs> it's incredible. They've actually got things that are not in boxes, vegetables and fruit. It's incredible how good that is for you. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I have a conversation uh, quite often about let's, you know, remove the sugar and some of the other things that are bothering you specifically. And and then the most common comment I get is I don't know what to eat. And, and, and you know, I'm going, well, we didn't remove protein we you know there that's a variety of food and we didn't remove whole grains and we didn't remove fruits and vegetables so i'm i'm confused why these people are confused i mean I, not really because i know why they're confused because our society isn't really focusing on that and if you're eating fast food it's very difficult to find those choices but it it's just seems common sense to me that that should be the the bulk of your diet and the other things are are just sometimes 
Yeah, I talk about it in the book. I mean, you know, we have here in the, in the States food pyramid, which became a food plate. Harvard has done a, a, a modified food plate, which isn't influenced by, uh, by food lobbyists <laughs> in Washington, <laughs> which is a lot of the problem. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that make a lot of money selling the kind of food that they'd like you to eat that may not necessarily be the best thing for you to eat. And so the, the food pyramid is often skewed toward an industry that either creates grain or dairy or whatever it is. And so, you know, nutritionists have now stepped into the fray and said, okay, look, this, this is what's real. And, you know, the Mediterranean diet, I talk extensively in my book about the blue zones. And in the nutrition section, I give um, websites that are, are um, useful for people to use on the nutrition side. Um, the book that I'm working on now with a Ph.D. RDN at Syracuse University, Dr. Kay Bruning and Chef Marcel Cossette, we're trying to put together a very, very simple um, meal planner that has at its core bone broth and all the kinds of things that rehabilitate bone broth. What's that? They're the kinds of things that rehabilitate your microbiome. And this is really a cutting-edge idea. It's kind of an extension of um, the Mediterranean diet. It's meant to revitalize your body after surgery and there's some prep uh, some preparatory um cooking that you need to do in order to get ready because you know when you come home from from the hospital you really don't want to stand at a stove so there's things that you can make beforehand and freeze that you can defrost and heat that are really good for your body and really revitalize your body um that are better for you than a mcdonald's or you know frozen food or whatever it is you're going to fall to or fast foods because you know people people have no idea how massive this choice is and how big the outcome is and and whether or not you're home and you're prepared to do the things your house is set up correctly you know things are not where you need to bend down to get them and all the stuff that you know many of the surgeons will share with you which is no bending lifting or twisting which is the core competency that you need to master when you come out of spine surgery, no BLT, as it were. Um, but there's so much more that patients have no idea about. And you're right. You know, you've, you've had more experience talking to people about this issue than I have. I mean, people don't know what's inflammatory. People don't know, you know, what they need to do to rehabilitate their microbiome. They don't know what a bone broth is or if it fell on them. And so people come unprepared into the surgery and are completely unprepared post-op to recover. And again, that's why I wrote the book. Well, perfect. Um, we're actually going to take a, a quick break. Um, we're talking today with Harvey Warren, and we're discussing his book, The Optimized Patient. So we'll pick this up where we left off. and We'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? 
Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Harvey Warren. He is the author of The Optimized Patient, How to Prepare for, Survive, and Recover from Spine Surgery. So um, one of the, the, the main things I, I think it, that's a problem is follow through. A lot of people, I find, aren't used to having to do things for their health. They go about life thinking that things are just going to work out. So what what are we doing to get people to follow through? Is there a shift in the medical system? towards this sort of thought pattern? Well, it's very interesting you should ask that. Um, one of the things that I started talking about after the book was done, and, and again, this is a, you know, I'm a financial advisor. I'm not a doctor. I'm a patient. This is a patient-initiated project. And so when you think about it, you know, we start looking at patient outcomes. What do we care about as people that are receiving surgery? We care about the outcome. We care about getting better. And what does the doctor care about? The doctor cares about the outcome. He cares about your patient getting better. Well, what does the insurance company care about? Well, they care about the outcome. They care about the patient getting better. And so when I realized that everybody's got the same agenda to get better, I said, wow, well, let's go talk to the insurance people and see if they understand what we're we're chasing here. And they do. And they're going like, wow, I mean, we really never figured out how to get people to do what they're supposed to do after surgery, yeah, Harvey, they'll read the book, but will they do it? Will they do it? Big question mark there. And so we're putting together a service to actually get on the phone with people on a daily basis, and the insurers are all in support of this, to do two things, to use the book, to coach people, to guide them, to create recovery guides so that people can actually have someone hold their hand through the process. You cannot get your surgeon on the phone on a daily basis. That's never going to happen anytime. In history, it's just never going to happen. 
Uh, you're lucky you get the surgeon on the phone for, for your appointment, let alone say, hey, you know, what should I eat today? So it was clear that there was a real gap in the guidance uh, on the insurance side, certainly here in the United States and all over the world. For people that are getting these surgeries, what the heck do you do to get better? The insurers are going, are you telling me, Harvey, that you think that if you help people on a daily basis, when asking them what they're eating, how many steps do they get, how, what's their mindset, do they believe they can get better? Because you know if you don't believe you can get better, guess what? You can't. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. It's a really old cliche, but it's true. People that come to surgery with a good mindset get better. People that don't, don't. People that have people guiding them and showing them the way, the way Bill Walton showed me the way, the way that, you know, uh, Nate Quarry showed uh, Doug Amen, who's another one of the people who were in our book. He fell off a mountain, uh, fell 300 feet and fractured his back. If there's no one coaching you and telling you, you can get better, if I can do it, you can do it, you will get better. If there's no one guiding you on what your food choices should look like, if you've got no resource like the book to refer to, to help you to get better, then the chances of you getting better are, are slim at best the, for an optimum recovery. Well, that's why we wrote the Optimized Patient. And now we're putting together a service uh, called Optimized Outcome Solutions, which we're developing with the insurance industry to do exactly what we're talking about. It's a hand-holding service to walk you from the prehab into the rehab because what you do in prehab will determine your success in rehab. And so we're working on that service. It, it, it seemed to be, for everybody, not enough that I wrote the book, that there needed to be real engagement. Uh, we can give people encouragement. We have to give them engagement. And ultimately, for the insurers in our country, we have to give them measurement and let them see that people do so much better when they're helped this way. And that's what we're working on. Um, I, I love that you're you're talking about the mindset. Um, I I think this is really important. I've seen people frozen from fear and not even able to change how they're eating because it just seems yeah. so overwhelming, so daunting, and and then become a victim of of the changes that they have to make. And and they go down. Sometimes they will spend the money going down a road trying to recover, still with that mindset. I'm a victim. I have to do this. This isn't fair. And to be honest, everybody's at a point in their life where they have to do this at some, at some time. So, you know, it's it's part of life and part of the journey that we have to do. And and I find it's so much harder to step forward and do something if you feel that way. You know, you have this huge weight and burden on you rather than going, "Okay, what do we need to do today?" and have that mindset that's more open. Yeah, I mean, you need somebody. Uh, first of all, it needs to occur inside of you. But it's so incredibly powerful when someone like Bill Walton, uh, an NBA superstar, says, you can get better, you will get better. I got better, you can do it. When Nate Quarry said to Doug Amen, I got better, I went back in the ring, I became a cage fighter after my surgery, I would, I'm fine, you will be fine. If I can do it, you can do it. And when you're, someone's talking to you with that kind of force, and that kind of surety, well, okay, you're, you're like, well, gee, I'm sitting here in a, in a state of panic and fear, and, and in Doug's case, depression, going like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be me again. And the answer is you will be you again. You'd be a little bit of a different you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I, listen, I'm almost 69 years old. I recovered from it. I'm 
okay, I'm not in a wheelchair, I'm fine, I have no residual pain. Same with Bill Walton. You can go to our website at www.theoptimizedpatient.com, and you can see see me on television with Bill Walton. You can see us on TV with uh, Nathan Quarry, uh, both you know professional athletes who went through colossal surgeries, and they're fine. We all got better, but we did that because we had a commitment to get better. Bill's a professional athlete. I'm a crazy person that said, look, I'm going to get better no matter what. Uh, Doug had the guidance of Nathan Quarry. Were it not for the, our craziness about, yeah, we must get better, that mindset, we must get better. What can I do? Sit-ups, go to the gym, aerobic, what can I do? How can I eat to get better? If we hadn't had that mania to get better, we would not have gotten better. At the other end of that is the people that you're indicating. Oh, I'm never going to get better. I've tried everything. I don't even know why I'm doing this, and it's just not going to work for me. Work in the, that mindset, some of those people really will never get better. The book mm-hmm. was written for that vast bell curve in the middle of people that really want to get better but just don't know how. Right, which is good. You know, I've been asked before. You know, when when does it stop? When do I stop looking? And I tell people, you you don't stop looking for the solution. Um, if your health is not well or something's not working, you keep trying things until you find something that does. So you know, even if people follow through with with, with what's in your book and they need more, you keep looking for for more. Um, you know, your health and who you are is is really important, and that's that mindset of you know this is what I'm going to keep doing, and, and this is going to work out. You really need a recovery guide. Uh, mm-hmm. There needs to be somebody in your corner that's gone through this that you can talk to that can show you the way home. It's really challenging. And if you don't have that person, uh, then you can read about those people in my book, or you can you know log on the website and you can chat with Harvey on the website. I answer people's email, and you know people send me questions, and I'm very, very, very happy to answer those questions. www.theoptimizedpatient.com. If you want the book, it's on Amazon. It's it's easiest to get the book through Amazon.com. Uh, there's an audio book which I read, which everyone will forgive me for one day. Um, there's an ebook that you can download in Kindle, and there's a regular. A print book. I would suggest that people get the print book so that they can make notes in the book. Honest to God, I think that's the most important thing you could do. It's it's seriously a book to prepare. And I'm not trying to pump books here. I'm trying to help people. <laughs> it, it's seriously a, a book that you should take a pencil and paper out, start making notes and underlining things to ask your doctor because there are questions in there and stuff like that. It's not laid out like, here are the five things you should talk to your spine surgeon about. But throughout the book, you guys can make notes and, and know when you walk in the door, that there, is, there are areas that you need to cover with your surgeon. There are things you need to say to your physical therapist. There are resources you need to look at for nutrition. And most importantly, you've got to make the commitment and get your head on straight and know that you can and will get better. Um, well, so that being said, how do you feel now? Me? I'm fantastic. Yeah. If, you, if, you see, if you see Bill Walton on the TV spot with me, which is hilarious... He stands up in the middle of the interview and goes, I'm fantastic, and he throws his arms up in the air. And since he's seven feet tall, you can't even see him. You know, he's so big. And he's going, my spine's fantastic. And, I mean, his mental attitude is so extraordinary, which is why he's a champion. Uh, the guy is just uh, an evangelist 
for the fact that people can get better from surgery. And for many years was a spokesman for the medical devices company that uh, put the steel in his back. I mean, this guy was a, a massive, famous athlete, was literally on the deck, paralyzed from spine pain. And they fixed him. And he's become an evangelist for telling people, don't give up, don't give up. You can get better, you will get better, you just need to know how. Um, which is encouraging. Now, is there um, uh, something somebody can do if they've already been through surgery, but they're feeling like they haven't recovered very well? Um, is your book still helpful in that situation? Oh, for sure. Uh, most importantly for those individuals, uh, uh, presuming, of course, that the surgery was done correctly. We always begin with that assumption. Uh, if the surgery has been done incorrectly, then that's a medical issue that needs to be addressed. Okay, they need to get another MRI and see another doctor. Presuming that their, their surgery was done correctly and they're still not feeling the way they ought to, it's probably an activity, nutrition, and rest issue. People need to get a lot of rest for your body to heal. I mean, it's just common sense from when you were a kid. I mean, when you get the flu, you've got to stay in bed and rest and let your body heal. When you, you know, broke an arm, you need to put it in the cast and let it set and let it get better. But what we've never been told is that in nutrition has so much to do with giving your body the pieces and parts it needs to get better. And what is that? Is that fast food and frozen food? And is that junk food and all the stuff you like to eat when you're watching TV? No. It's those fresh fruits and vegetables. It's the Mediterranean diet. It's the nuts and legumes and all that stuff that nobody knows how to cook that we're going to talk about in our cookbook. And I have um, websites in the book that you can go to currently to pick up information on how to start to modify your diet. And, oh, by the way, it doesn't have to be 100% change. If you just change up 20 30 40% of your diet and make a better choice here and there, you will get better. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me today. Um, this was a, a great show and very informative. Well, thank you, Rebecca. I'm glad to be here. And for all you folks that listen, if you're suffering with back pain, www.theoptimizedpatient.com. There's a chat function on there. Ask a question. I'll give you an answer. Perfect. Well, today we were talking with Harvey Warren. He's the author of The Optimized Patient, How to Prepare for, Survive, and Recover from Spine Surgery. If you want more information about my story and what I went through back to health, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And um, I want to thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.